Welcome to another episode of whatever we're calling this, the podcast of comparative literature and cultural studies at the University of Arkansas. I'm Guillermo Pupo, PhD candidate in comparative literature, and today I have the privilege to talk to Dr. Killen Burke. She's a historian with over 10 years of research experience in historical archives. Dr. Burke is currently fellowship manager at the Newberry Library, where she manages the Newberry's extensive fellowship program from publicity and website to application and selection process. For this reason, I invited Dr. Burke to talk about crafting a strong application for the Newberry Library. Enjoy the episode. Thank you for accepting the invitation, uh, Dr. Burke. Absolutely. I'm delighted to talk to you this morning. Now, uh, for the people who do not know who Dr. Killen Burke is, could you tell us uh, briefly uh, about your work, about your project, about your research? Sure. Um, so I am currently a director of fellowships and academic programs at the Newberry Library in Chicago, Illinois, which is an independent research library. Um, we're a humanities library. Um, so that means we're not affiliated with the university. Um, we're sort of uh, live on our own, which is nice. So we have a little more freedom to um, make some in decisions, be a little more nimble, as, as we like to say. Um, I am trained as a scholar of modern Ireland, modern Europe more broadly, but Ireland in particular, and my own work um, focuses on early 20th century Irish history, in particular, women, gender, politics, um, a whole sort of uh, assortment of things happening in Ireland in the 20s and 30s. Um, and uh, you can absolutely call me Keelan, by the way. <laughs> Most of the time, I don't go by Dr. Burke anymore. Oh, well, thank you very much, Kaylin. Uh, now, you mentioned a word that I really uh, love and enjoyed a lot, uh, fellowships. So as a graduate student, of course, we need to apply for fellowships. And I am aware that, and I invite people to take a look at the Newberry's uh, website because there is a fellowship for everyone. Now, for graduate students who are learning the process on how to craft a fellowship, uh, and that maybe they have never had the opportunity to visit the Newberry Library. So what are some tips and suggestions to at least send a nice, strong application? Sure. Um, so I'll start, um, I'll talk a little bit about residential fellowships in general, and then I'll talk a little bit about the Newberry in particular. Um, so the kind of fellowship that the Newberry has that um, are um, available to graduate students are generally our short-term fellowships. Um, those are for one month at a time. Um, and those are uh, fellowships. So when I say residential, it means that you come to the Newberry for a month at a time to do intensive research in our collection related directly to your own project. Um, there are lots of institutions across the US and abroad that have residential fellowships. Um, so, you know, we think of some of our peers in the US as the Huntington, um, the library in Southern California, the Folger Shakespeare Library, the American Antiquarian Society, the American Philosophical Society, the Linda Hall Library, which is a um, science library in Kansas City. Um, and there's a whole host of other um, university affiliated libraries like the Ransom Center or the Clements and um, University of Michigan. And all of these have lots of fellowship opportunities, um, most of which are available to graduate students um, that 
uh, are focused on bringing people to work in their collections. Um, so the first thing that I would recommend is that, um, you know, as work that I'm assuming lots of historians and other folks working sort of in archival sources um, is to sort of think about what what sort of institutions can be useful to your project, right? So who has the stuff that you want to look at? Um, how is this going to further your project? Um, so a big piece of that and is going to be doing some research in catalogs, talking to other folks who have worked in those libraries. You know, the sort of thing when you're like scouring a book and you read in the footnote, they're like, oh, so-and-so has this thing over here. And you're like, oh my God, this thing exists. I have to go see it. Um, so knowing what you want to look at and where you want to look at those sources. Um, and you will no doubt not be able to visit every place you want to do research before you actually do research there. Um, so my other tip is so first, you know, identify the place that you want to do research and also be willing to have a conversation with folks at those institutions. Um, almost all of these folks that I talked about that have residential fellowships, actually I'm gonna go ahead and on a limb and say every single one of them are delighted to talk to um, interested researchers um, so that we have librarians, we have reference librarians, archivists, curators who um, are happy to help you sort of navigate our collections and think about how you might search our collection or what might be useful resources to you. Um, so being able to sort of have a timeline and which you sort of give some space to ask those questions and find the information that's useful, I think is really um, a useful piece. Um, for many of us that have residential um, fellowship programs, uh, being able to make the case for why you need to come here to do it is always really important. So the Newberry's resources, our collection is pretty broad and wide ranging, which is one of the things that I love about it. So um, we have 11 core collections that range from uh, early modern and medieval studies to uh, modern manuscripts and archives to performance history to Native American and indigenous studies to postcards. We have this epic postcard collection. Um, that's uh, one of our more recent core collections. Um, so being able to make the case why this is the place you want to do that research is going to be helpful. And most of the um, folks that you'll be applying for fellowships will sort of have a list of things that they want in that application. So, you know, we say at the Newberry that we would like a project abstract. We want your project description, which tells us your project, kind of situating your project in the larger um, sort of scholarship that you're intervening, and also say precisely why you want to be at the Newberry. Um, I will also say that most of the folks that offer residential fellowships, um, because their collections cover lots of ground, you very likely will not have somebody who is a subject area expert in your area who's gonna be sitting on a review panel. Um, so being able to speak to um, a range of humanists, um, folks who are working in the humanities across disciplines. So whether that's literature, um, history, we get archeologists, we have art historians, um, we have anthropologists. I feel like I'm going in alphabetical order now, but I'm not on purpose. Um, so being able to um, speak a little bit outside your field and sort of making a case for what you're working on is really helpful. Um, but we also realize, so we at the Newberry, our um, short-term fellowships are um, available to both graduate students and to folks who have completed their degree um, sort of at any stage postdoctoral. Um, so our reviewers sort of know what they're looking for in a graduate student application. So we give a little bit more leeway because we know that you're not done yet. You haven't written that dissertation. You haven't had, you know, this is not your third book. So um, we are also very um, sort of conscientious of the, um, the range of a career stage of a, of a scholar. Um, and so um, 
even knowing that being able to make a little bit of a case for your your work outside of your world doesn't mean that you have to say this is going to change everything in every field forever. Um, it's just sort of recognizing that um, people outside your world may read these kinds of things. Um, and uh, the last piece I'll say, um, I think, is in thinking of your letters of recommendation. Um, so we do ask um, now for two letters of recommendation here at the Newberry. There's a wide range of um, asks for recommendations these days or requirements. Some folks have more, some folks have less. There are some that don't have letters of recommendation at all. Um, so sort of keeping an eye on um, what the requirements for those are and also knowing who are the good people to ask. Um, so for the most part, having your dissertation advisor or advisors um, write one of your letters is going to be um, a pretty sort of uh, easy one for you. Um, hopefully they see that as part of their job anyway. Um, and also they're going to be the ones who are able best to speak to your project and the sort of the specifics of the work that you're doing. Um, and then you know, finding you, I no doubt have multiple people on your committees. It would be really bonkers if you only had a committee of one. Um, but another committee member is always a great second um, to sort of speak to, um, you know, from their vantage point about your project. Um, so those are kind of like some of the big broad strokes um, of things that I think make successful applications. Um, and I do think that tailoring each application, especially when you're looking at a residential fellowship, um, making sure that each one is specific to the institution that you're looking at. Um, because if you, you may have the most brilliant project that anybody has ever seen, but if you don't say what you wanna do with the Newberry, um, or at the Huntington or at the Folger, it's unlikely that that's going to be compelling to the folks who are, you know, working on the behalf of funders who are trying to get people to work in our collection. Um, so being specific um, in terms of what that institution might hold that can be helpful to your project. Thank you very much, Keelan. You offer uh, very uh, unique information and valuable uh, comments for graduate students. And I would like to follow, well, there are several aspects, but the first one that I have in mind is what kind of things they need to be conscious when they write in the abstract and project description, because they might know that you have the book, but then when you are reading that application, uh, what kind of things maybe give you like red flag, like, oh, okay, this person knows that the book is there, but uh, it's missing this aspect. Any suggestion to avoid maybe some silly mistakes? Um, that's a great question. Um, one of the um, ones I'll say is to just make sure that you have, because we all know that you're not going to necessarily craft a brand new application for everyone. The, pro the sort of project description may stay similar. Um, just do that find and replace to see if, because you may be applying to the New York Public Library and the Newberry and the American Philosophical Society, just make sure that you have like pulled in the right name. Um, and that one is easy and also very forgivable because you will find everybody from graduate students to um, full-fledged emeritus faculty who have done the same thing. Um, but it's not going to be a huge, it will be necessarily like, you know, it's, it's not going to sink an application, but it's just a nice, uh, uh, attention to detail. Um, I think that if you can say um, how looking at this particular material, so so say you have you know kind of project description that a thousand words as we say, and then five hundred words about the Newberry's collection. If you can sort of uh, bridge the gap about why these two copies of this particular book, how that fits into that 
first piece of the project description. Um, so it's not just kind of like loose out there. Um, it's it's all integrated into sort of one narrative. So, you know, I'm going to write this um, fantastic dissertation on X, Y, and Z, and this is going to fit into chapter three, because without it, I wouldn't be able to further this point or without looking at it um, or comparing the two copies, maybe it's different editions printed at different times and you're looking and want to know, um, you know, how things have changed or stayed the same, the, the making the case for why those things and how they fit into your project um, can be uh, very compelling. And I think also giving a little bit of room to say, um, really, you're never going to be able to know everything about what you want to look at at an institution, um, whatever place you may be looking at. You may know that you want to look at, yes, these two um, books, but you also maybe give yourself a little bit of space to say, and I would love to explore in this collection to see what else might be there that could support this project, because undoubtedly, you will have more things um, than you will know what to do with when you get to any institution to do your research. That, that's right, and I really appreciate that suggestion. Now, uh, Keelin, the last question. Okay, we finished our dissertation, we finished our project. Now for uh, graduate students who might be interested on doing something else besides academia, how do you think that uh, having the experience on fellowships, on applications, how can this skill can be transferred to the industry or to any other type of uh, job position. So any comment on that part? Sure, that's an excellent question. Thank you for asking it. Um, I think one skill that you can sort of learn while you're building um, sort of fellowship applications and applying and thinking about sort of possibilities outside of academia um, is that sort of piece where you're talking to folks who may not be your own subject area experts, right? Um, so you're not necessarily talking to folks who are experts in early modern history or in 20th century Chicago or whatever your topic might be. You're talking to folks who are smart, curious, um, uh, interested folks who want to know about the kinds of work and the way that you're thinking and the way that you could communicate ideas. Um, so being able to sort of successfully um, position the work that you do and why you're in a good position to do it um, in a fellowship application, um, I think is easily translatable to thinking about um, how you would craft a job letter or um, how you would put together your resume as opposed to your CV if you're thinking outside of academia, um, because you're already sort of doing that critical work of saying, what is my position? How am I what are the skills and the um, expertise that I bring to this particular project? And whether it's to a fellowship application or it's to a job at a independent research library or, um, you know, an administrative position at an amazing sort of scholarly center at a library or a library or a university that's not necessarily a tenure track academic position, but you would get to do all kinds of interesting things, um, being able to make the case of how your own um, sort of expertise, your critical thinking and your communication can sort of build off of the work that you're practicing in these fellowship applications. Great. Thank you very much, Keelan, for uh, presenting the fellowship that the Newberry Library has for explaining in detail how to craft a strong application. And thank you very much, of course, for uh, showing us that there is a plan B. Uh, after finishing your uh, dissertation. Thank you very much for your time. 
You're very welcome. And as always, um, say as always, uh, feel free to reach out with questions. Um, we're happy. And uh, my uh, contact information is on the Newberry's website. And I'm happy to answer questions. And I'm also happy to put you in touch with the amazing experts at the Newberry in our collection because I don't know everything that we have in that 10 floor stacks of building nearby. Um, but I can put you in touch with people who may know the answers. So that's right. And do not forget, just apply for fellowships. Absolutely.